Hello, everybody. We're back here at the carnival, and we actually have a question for you. How about that local sports team? Rob, how about that local sports team? I don't know about it, but I'm actually going to say I'm kind of bummed this week. You know, we had the American Moondogs on last week, which was alt-country. This would make a really good country song. I don't want to talk about it then, but okay, I have to get this out of my system, then we'll move on. Uh, I got no coffee again, and somebody scarfed my $20. Yeah, my wallet was a bit light. So maybe we'll get some other gifts, who knows. But you never know. That was not very sporting of him. No. Oh, sporting. But speaking of that, we realized that through all the stuff we've done, we haven't really talked some of America's fav- favorite pastimes, that being professional, amateur, and weird sports. And for me, growing up in a city such as Pittsburgh, it's a very large sports market with a couple professional teams. It's got us to thinking, and you and I have had many a conversation about this, how many different great athletes we may have seen. But what was, in your, if you can recall, what was your first real introduction to professional sports? Um, who, who was it? Who did you see? What was going on? Because I know Rochester, uh, since what the... Since the Royals time, left, haven't had a, a We're not team. a very big basketball city. What's amazing, we had the Rochester Royals, which are now the, the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings. Kings yes. They've gone through the, the Kansas City Kings. Yes. And Omaha. one of the things was, they've always said you're either a hockey town or a basketball town, which makes no sense because how many towns have NBA and, and, and NHL franchises? Right. I but know. we had a team called the Rochester Zenus in the early 80s. The, Mario Panaggio was the, the coach, and he was sort of legendary. He passed away last year. They were great. They got no one. Yeah. Pretty much it was sad because they won the CBA championship okay, so were with CBA. nobody, whereas our Rochester Amherst, the Americans, yeah. had, they've always constantly drawn very, very well. And they've gone through a lot of teams. I think the Canucks were actually an owner for a while. The Capitals were. If you look in the early 70s, the Bruins... Really? Oh, yeah. There were the Bruins, the Bruins before that because that was the connection with Don Cherry. Before the oh, Sabres. that's right. Yeah. And then, because cause Don Cherry's very big into Rochester because he played with the Amherst. Played and, with the Amherst, coached the Amherst, and I believe he met his wife in Rochester yeah. from what I've read. And then the Sabres, obviously. Yeah. And we had the Red Wings, who were, they were the Red Wings because they were the Cardinals franchise. Well, and isn't there, wasn't there a time period when the, the Panthers were a, a part of the Amherst? The Florida Panthers? They could have been, because I know a lot of these went twisting. And we're very sports by proxy in Rochester, where people will glom onto the Bills, Syracuse. Well, that's... and that, I, Which I, is why a lot of times I don't like those teams, just because they might be fine, but... Well, because I've, I've always found it weird, because growing up in a, in a town that had three of the four professional sports teams, you know, hockey, baseball, football... We never had a basketball team in my lifetime. Yeah, the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, back in, I think, the 40s and 50s. Even actually up until maybe the 70s, they had a pro basketball team. But I never really, so I grew up never really following basketball. Did you go on to uh, Duquesne or any of those around there? No, no. I mean, my parent, you know, my most of my family were alumni of the University of Pittsburgh. So we kind of followed them. But I never really grew up watching basketball. If we, can, if we go back to where we first saw some of these sports. I can tell you for basketball, it's going to come from a different source. It was the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, see, my dad and my grandfather went to see the Harlem Globetrotters, and the halftime show was Cab Calloway. Ours was fun. It wasn't that, though. But yeah. And I remember in the day, too, did you say the Washington Generals, like, they beat them how many times? Once out like, of, like... A couple, like, a handful of times out of 
tens of th- or thousands, maybe tens of thousands of games. What the was generals. the one thing they were screwing around? Well, they the, were the Globetrotters were screwing around, as per usual, entertaining the crowd. And by the time they realized there was like three minutes left in the game, they were down. So they switched to playing normal basketball. And don't forget, for all their showmanship, these guys were great basketball players. Oh, they could beat a lot of NBA teams. And they couldn't. And they ended up, and the generals kind of stopped, and you know, we're like, okay, we need to let them win. But the generals were still trying to play, and they could, and the the Globe Charters lost. There would literally be like Frank Williams beating Harley Race. What was it? Um, I think it was a Metal Lark Lemon said it looked like they'd killed Santa Claus because <laughs> of all the kids were crying. I never, and this is a little not really off the subject. I was thinking about this the other night. Was it KFAB a little or not? They were told you have to try to win. It was oh, yeah. not throwing the game. They weren't throwing the game. They said like, better guys playing them. Yeah, well, the generals weren't awful. It's just the Globetrotters were better. And the poor ma- the poor manager, player, coach, or whatever, he's got probably the worst sporting record in history. Yeah. And the Globetrotters, I mean, think about the NBA, the Naismith Hall of Fame, how many Globetrotters are in there. There's a lot of them. Well, let's see. Um, Wilt Chamberlain had a cup of coffee Geese with Geese Osby. The- Geese Osby. Metalark Lemon. Yep. Uh, Curly- Marquise Williams. Is Curly Nealon? Yeah, I think so. Um, Tate? Yeah. Okay. I think so. And one of the things that's going to come up for me a lot is as a kid, WWR, Channel 9 on New York, is where I had a lot of my first exposure to sports, really, because that's where my mom was a big New York Knicks fan. They had the Knicks and the Nets on, Mm. so we would watch the Knicks and the Nets, and they would always be on, so that's where I'd see a lot of those games. But NHL was weird for me. Like, for you growing up in Pittsburgh, did you just go to the games? I would go to the games, yeah, so I saw a lot. Uh, by the time I was getting to the point where I was really starting to understand that would have been right around the time Yager was drafted, so 1990. And the man is still playing hockey, by the way. He's, he's gonna in the play... Czech Republic right now. Yeah, he's in the Czech he's Republic right now. He's under contract to the Flames, I think. I think, yeah, they still own his contract. He's one of those guys back. probably you'll never be in the Hall of Fame because you have to stop yeah, playing. Yeah, he'll never retire, but I remember because every some somebody in Pittsburgh figured out that um, if you rearrange the letters in his first name, Yamir, it was Mario Jr. So that's when, you know, so I got to see Lemieux, I got to see Yager in the, the two Stanley and Cups in the 90s. And what was funny as well, I think, is he didn't know much English, so I think, what could he say, blue jeans and french yeah, fries and, for quite a while? From what I remember, they would bring him on, the, the local talk radio stations would bring him on there to read the news stories and to, to, to do the weather, and he would. that's how he, that helped him learn English, because he came right over from... At the time, Czechoslovakia, but he's actually Czech, not Slovak. But, but for me, this is interesting for hockey. Besides the Amherst, the first place I ever started really watching hockey, this will surprise you, was WXI because they had the Stanley Cup playoffs on. Oh. And I remember still one of the games that sticks out in my head was the 79 79- Almost semifinals, whatever it is, between the Bruins and the Canadians, yeah. where finally Don Cherry said it was the two nails in his coffin because they played the Canadians, the Bruins and Canadians, with a big rivalry in oh, the yeah. 70s. And these games, the big bad Bruins. But then Montreal had the dynasty. Oh, God, and yeah. Montreal had the dynasty going, but they were down by a goal. And yeah. what happened? They were down by a goal, about two minutes left. There's something happened where Cherry did something really boneheaded. There were too many men on the ice or some oh. other killer play. It's in his book, Grapes. And he said it was either Guy Lafleur or another player got a goal and tied it with under two oh, minutes. Then in rough. overtime, the Canadians won. That's harsh. And then they went on to beat the Rangers. And that was the thing with Stan Jonathan, who was yay tall. 
Yeah. Not very tall. Broke the nose of Pierre Bouchard, who was the big goon from Montreal. I saw Stan Jonathan Pelly with the Penguins. Yeah, that so, was before. I saw early. the Penguins when they stunk, but they were entertaining. That's why that, I fell in love was with that, them. Was that pre-84? It was 83-84. Okay, because like sort of 84 then, was the year they drafted Lemieux. I saw the teams that led to them drafting Lemieux. The Baltimore Skipjacks uh, had... You, you had minor league and major contracts in hockey, so when you went down, if I could have the same salary, I would rather play with the Skipjacks. Yeah. They would play the Amherst. The games would be crazy. In fact, you know this because a player yeah, told I, you I can't this. remember off the top of my head who it was and and he because I, I told him that you had mentioned that the Skipjacks Amherst games were kind of legendarily insane and he played for the Skipjacks. He said, yeah, he was right. They were nuts. And what would happen, I could describe the games for you. Skipjacks would take the lead. Be a lot of fights. Yeah. We have to sit around. You would see, literally, you would see players come out by where we were sitting because they got kicked out of the game. They all looked like something got a slap shot out of the time. They all had the turtlenecks and leather jackets <laughs> and a beer. And I remember they'd see Skips go, boo, boo. And every time the Amherst would tie it up, Skipjacks would win. Yeah. And I got a Skipjacks puck at home somewhere. Yeah, I... They're gone now. Yeah, they, but the skipjacks have been gone for some time now. But those were fun. I still, from my view, and everybody has their view of this, I think, like, 80s for me was prime time for hockey. I think, yeah, 80s and 90s, because I was just thinking, you know, the number of Hall of Famers just on the Penguins teams when yeah. they won the Stanley Cups. You had Mario Lemieux, Paul Coffey, Ron Francis, Joey Mullen, Brian Trottier. Tom Barrasso will be in there. Tom Barrasso, well, he's... He'll U- be in there. He'll say he'll he's, be in there. He's U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, but he's not NHL. Badger or, Bob. Yeah, Badger Bob and Scotty Bowman. He was Herb the coach. Brooks, who I think was involved with them, is like something. Yeah, he was um, that. Uh, oh God, who's uh, Craig Adams? Yeah, he was the GM. Craig Patrick or Craig Patrick? Yeah, sorry. Uh, God, I mean, it just that team alone. I got to see so many greats. But I saw Gretzky play near the end of his career. Well, one of the things you saw, and you actually again got the story about the when. It was Gretzky, Lemieux, and who was it? Uh, Larry Murphy. Uh, Larry Murphy. It was the 87 Canada Cup. If you want to see hockey, this was magic with the puck. But he's got, actually, yeah. this is a rare time. We have firsthand account of what yeah. really happened. I had always read that there was a Russian, a Soviet player at the time. He just turned 21 that ga- day when the game was happening by the name of Igor Larionov. Had a very good NHL career as well. Canucks, right? I uh, believe so. Yeah, with Vladimir Krutov, the tank. Yeah. And there was always the infamous three-on-one breakaway with Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and Larry Murphy heading toward the Soviet goalie. And there was the one Soviet defenseman, and everybody always said, the announcers always said it was Igor Larionov. So I wrote to him to request an autograph, and I asked him what it was like to be staring down the barrel of those three. And he said, actually, that wasn't me, that was my teammate, and I'm going to blank on the name, another Russian name. He said, I was behind the play trying to catch up to Lemieux. It didn't work, but I had to try. It's like, okay. And seeing these guys, it's almost a crime. I remember seeing, because I saw Guy Lafleur, I saw Gretzky, I saw Lemieux. You're seeing Gretzky and thinking, well, I would always say the Rocket Maurice Richard was the Babe Ruth of hockey in a lot of ways. But for me, that's like seeing Babe Ruth or somebody. You see somebody like that. Yeah, it's like saying who's better, Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig. But it's like that. You see Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky, and I saw him in a game against Pittsburgh. He was on a tear. This was the year he had 92 goals and 120 assists. Yeah, the 200. The, he was I on think a that was tear. the first of his 200-point seasons. And the Penguins game, okay, there's 
the essence and reality, in reality, it was a joke. It was like 12 to 2 or something. But in essence, one of the most entertaining games I ever saw. It was just really good. And Gretzky scored like almost 10 points. Yeah. Well, actually, I want to backtrack to basketball because the first time I really remember watching basketball was the 92 Olympics with the Dream Team. Yeah. You know, it was a John Stockton, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Uh, was Chris Mullen on that team? I believe he Probably was. Probably was. You know, but that was uh, David Robinson, I think, I was think on there. I think the other thing about basketball is these are team sports we're talking about. But I think because of the number of players, this is the one you think more of. You'll have that the individuals really. Like, you think of LeBron James. I can't, yeah. Who that house is on the Lakers now? I know Rajon Rondo. Oh, that, that uh, Lonzo Ball kid whose dad is always in the news. And, and I think for me still, I am a Jordan man. I See, he was – I remember – I didn't really watch basketball, but I was aware of the the Bulls' dominance in the '90s, where they went four or five championships in the '90s. Yeah, so you couldn't not. And there hear was it. a game he played against Utah where he had a really, really bad stomach bug, and Utah could have turned the series, but he still outplayed him. Yeah, but I think he's just one of the most incredible athletes. And remember, ah, Portland, you drafted Sam Bowie. Ooh, but I, I mean, look at nowadays. Who else is on the Warriors besides Steph Curry? Durant. Yeah, exactly. You got two guys, and there's what? How many do they keep on the floor? I mean, there's five. five. There's five, but I mean, and they always the have the six, man. I think they have 12, don't they? Yeah, 12 or 13, but, you know, you only hear, usually only hear about one or two players. Have, per you, team. have you seen a pro game? Uh, live? Yeah. Never. I actually saw when I lived in Washington, we saw they were then the Bullets, and they changed the name of the Washington Bullets <laughs> to the Wizards because of all the murders in Washington. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. But I saw them in the, in the, in the Celtics. I say it's Celtics. I'm a history major. I've only alone. seen one basketball game in person. It was when I was looking at colleges in the late, in late 90s, Grinnell College in Iowa. I went out there for a visit. They took me to a game, and I can't remember who they were playing. I just remember that neither team had any defense. They would just run down the court, shoot a three, and then run back to get a rebound. It was like 250 points scored in that game. It's it was ridiculous. basketball is fun to go see. I actually saw NC State against Bonaventure. They are they still have in Rochester an annual game for whatever reason in December. Yeah, and it was a really, really good time. It was NC State won at the buzzer. And I saw going to Fisher, of course, I saw a couple Nazareth games. Yeah. Well, I, which I, I went to because I, I knew I, people at I think Nazareth. I saw maybe one game when I was at the U.S. But it's big. I mean, around here, obviously, you have all the Syracuse people. Yeah. I lived in D.C. Georgetown was big. Go to Lions. And There's I that big have, sign, home even, of Jim Beheim. Even in, oh, even in, in high school, all the friends of mine, they'd be all going on about the tournament and college hoops. That's, and even in college, my roommate had to stay up to watch uh, UNLV play. Yeah, but that's actually the when I really started getting into it was when I got to college and started following the tournament because it was exciting. Well, one of the things I grew up with too is I grew up with the dynasties because that was like yeah. Showtime with the Lakers, the Celtics. Yeah, and my mom always talked about oh she loved Tommy Heinsohn, this Kareem Magic, and I remember my friend Rob. We we were going to class and we were all really sad because Magic had to announce his retirement because they said he had AIDS. Yeah, yeah. And it was really sort of sad that day. That was actually right after we graduated. But that was when the dynasties were around. They had the big dynasties of the players. It was always Boston. Or, yeah. But I wanted to go back to hockey for a minute because you were blessed in Pittsburgh. Yeah, some great. And Mike Lang. Well, Mike Lang, if if uh, for any of 
any of you guys listening that are not from Pittsburgh or hockey fans, well, in Pittsburgh it had had a, a rash of legendary sports broadcasters in baseball. This one was before my time, but in baseball there was the Gunner Bob Prince. Football, we had the legendary Myron Cope. The only he thing I remember peace. from here is not the announcers, but we've had Fred Costello playing Oregon for the Red Wings for decades. Yeah, and, and he's really good. Well, we had Vince Lashide, may he rest in peace as well. And um, oh, Who would have I seen when I went to the Penguins in the 80 playing oh Oregon? God, I don't remember. It may have been Vince Lashide. Yeah. He, he very well may have been there that long. Igloo. Yeah, at the Igloo, which is now, I don't know, the PPG Center. It I was the con- We'll get into funny names later. Yeah. But Mike Lang uh, was famous for his wonderfully colorful phrases. The old and please anybody, if you can decipher these. Well, there's my favorite was always scratch my back with a hacksaw. You had uh, she wants to sell my monkey. I don't get it, but that's it. It made sports entertaining because you never knew what he was going to say, and the, when they're really into it, and it makes you more excited when the announcers are really, really into it. One of my things, I always say, I always brag people here who are Yankees fans. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny because Steve Earle played here a while back. He lives in New York, and he said that, well, I'm a Yankees fan. And half the crowd booed him. And he was being Steve Earle, fuck you. But one of the things for me is I rag on people. I say, they ask, why are you a Yankees fan? Oh, well, it's New York. They're close. I go, Boston is, I literally figured out Boston was the same distance from here. But Pittsburgh and Toronto are closer. Geographically, I would say Toronto would be the closest market, closest professional market. Pittsburgh, I think the team came around, like, the turn of the century. What? The Pirates. Uh, they were pre. They had a they green were, uniform, and I yeah, know that because I saw it at Cooperstown. They were in the first World Series in 1903 against the Boston Americans. And they had, because I remember in 2003, and this is the only time I've ever seen an American League team play. The Boston Red Sox came into Pittsburgh for the hundredth anniversary of the first World Series, and it was actually the first time they'd played since then. Which you would play 162 games a year, and you can't play a team for a hundred years. Something needs to be done. Yes. But they did. It was throwback day with the old-timey uniforms, and the scoreboard had been turned off, and it was replaced by the guy with placards, and the announcer was standing on the dugout with a big megaphone tube, but it was wired because there was a couple thousand people in there. But this was actually, uh, Channel 11 was, again, for me, it's like WOR, WPIX. This is where we got our things, where they had the Mets on with... Ralph Kiner, who was one of the worst announcers in the world, but was entertaining. And then you had, of course, the Yankees with the scooter and all of them. And when the scooter was drunk on air, it was hilarious. And I remember one time he came on, he, he was going on, he drank all this wine. And you could hear him. They cut, he thought, he's like, man, I butchered that inning. But that was the days of the Bronx Zoo with Reggie and all these, yeah. those guys. See, but I missed all, and like for Pittsburgh, I missed, you know, the great Roberto Clemente. And Stargell. But you had that tradition there. Yeah, there was the tradition there of Clemente, Stargell, Mazeroski. Um But I caught some pretty good players in the 90s. Uh, Doug Drabeck, Cy Young winner. Uh, I was I saw Barry Bonds when he first started playing, when he would steal what? And there's a picture of you with them there, somewhere. Somewhere there's a picture of a very young me being held by Barry Bonds, and we're trying to it find it. looks like you're on roids. Yeah. But, but I actually, I, never, I saw... Pawtucket, literally, it was weird. I saw Pawtucket in the parking lot. They announced they were calling up Wade Boggs. Oh. And we had Kel Ripken, and we had Mike Boddicker. And the funny thing, a friend of mine, it was like Mike Boddicker had 
there was tried said I can't sign an autograph for you. Why? Your pen's out of ink. <laughs> no. But he signed it for him. We had Mike Bodiger, Cal Ripken. Yeah, so you had the great players. Eddie Murray played here for a year. Then some of them, a lot of them, because oh, we were the Orioles, but because we were the Orioles. I was going to say, yeah, you had to, yeah, that's right. And they, they the would the do the game first. every time. Once you were the Orioles would play, they don't do that anymore no. with the Twins. No. And we had Joe Maurer and the M&M boys there. Yeah, see, I knew Joe Maurer was in town. I wasn't able to get down there. Yeah, those two with the Twins. The irony was people were cheering, yay, the Orioles, they used to be a really good franchise. Now our team stink. So they go to the Twins. The Twins, have a great. they care about this. They stunk, and then the Orioles team did really good. Yeah. So watch what you wish for. But it used to be the Cardinals because that's why it was yeah, Red Wings. Red Wings because of the – but I remember what who would have been the big players for the Orioles back then? Was that the Jim Palmer era? That was like the Earl Weaver, the Jim Palmer, back in the Powell, Brooks Robinson. Yeah, back in, back in the 70s when they were winning, when they won, or went to the World Series – Oddly enough, both times they went, I think they lost to the Pirates. They lost, yeah, they lost to the Pirates. I think the one they were the big favorite. 71 and 79. And the one the Pirates lost, Clemente said that that was the year before. He said that was the better team, but they lost. In 70? Yeah. Yeah. He said that was the better team, but they lost. Oh, he was a great. Frank Robinson was another one. But Clemente was a player that, you know, my, my father and my parents, both my parents, a lot of my family got to see never. I mean, obviously, he died in 1972, um, and I, I have to rely on film. And there's some film clips, but man, well, that there's guy the thing had a now, cannon. the Bing Crosby thing, where for years I guess he couldn't go. There's something happened. Yeah, he, no, had, he had a lackey film the series, so no, he's what got Mazeroski shot and no, popped what ha- out. It was Game Seven of the 1960 World Series against the Yankees, the one that the, the Penguin Pirate, God Pirates, excuse me, were not supposed to win. Well, the pirate parrot was the guy who introduced drugs. In the well, that was the the doping scandal in yeah. the eighties. Yeah, the pirate parrot started that. I guess he sold dope on the plane. But um, game seven, uh, Bing Crosby at the time was a part owner of the Pirates, and he had somebody record game seven because he was somewhere else and didn't. And he said, "Record it. I'm going to listen to it, and I will watch it when I come home if the Pirates win." So, yes, the Pirates ended up winning that game. And then in traditional TV back then, they taped over it. Yeah. They didn't keep the old tapes. So, for the longest time, Game 7 was thought to be gone. And the only time you could have seen it, if you watched it on TV. Fifty years later, in 2010, somebody was going through his estate, and they found the reels of Game 7. So, they transferred it to DVD, and they put it out. I have it. And half of the broadcast is done by the Pirates announcers. The other half is done by the Yankees announcers. What's amazing it's with fantastic. that, too. Look at, go, if you ever want to go back, I guess it would be the Pirates would beat them by one run. Then the Yankees would blow them out. Well, that's the thing. The so Yankees, they were outscored enormously. Yeah, the Yankees would win like 10-2, to two, but the Pirates would win 3-2. to two. I'm going to go back a little bit to a couple other sports and some weirdness for a second because the only reason I'm going to bring up soccer for a moment is we had the Rochester Lancers where we're at our Harlem to see them. And in the 70s, for a while, they had the New York Cosmos, which was like a super team. They had Pelé, Giorgio Canaglia, Franz Beckenbauer, Ricky Davis, who was a big American player. I actually have a Ricky Davis soccer ball that I won at a raffle in school. The only one of those names I recognize is Pelé. And all, all these guys were incredible in their time. But the one thing that stands out for me for the Lancers, they played at Hollander Stadium. I lived in Gates, which is, you can make it, yeah. but it's a little bit away. They played the Cosmos. There were cars lined up. Yeah. 
because they were like the superstars. The, I actually saw a professional soccer match. It was a, a many years ago. Um, it was when the I don't know if it was it wasn't Premier League because there was other teams, but it was the European teams were touring the United States and they stopped in Pittsburgh for some reason. So me, my uncle Frank, who was from Bari, Italy, so he grew up watching soccer. I think he even played a little semi-pro soccer. But we went to see Chelsea and AC Milan play. And that was the only time I'd ever seen a professional Ooh, don't soccer Don't say that game. one to my mechanic. He's on Napoli. Yeah, Napoli. Well, AC Milan got the, the other shit one I want to bring up golf for one second because I could say the first time I really watched it, I'll never forget this for some reason, it was the Masters many, many years ago where Dr. Gil Morgan took off his shoes and socks and went in the water oh, and hit a ball out. I've seen the clips that. Of that sticks in my head for some reason. But back, back then... Years ago, I think one difference, we had Wide World of Sports, and we had ESPN when ESPN, like MTV, would actually had play sports. And I remember watching water polo at 12 o'clock. Well, yeah, you would turn on ESPN late at night, you would see, like, Australian Rules football, uh, and the weird foreign sports. Oh, and sports. please, I still, Australian Rules football, there's actually a... There's a video game of it. I yeah. still have no, no idea. idea how it works. I'm going to run with the ball, and I'm just going to kick it. I'm going to do yeah. this. I'm going to... And why does the referee wear a trench coat? I have no idea. Well, I'll do a whole episode explaining yeah. it. I suppose we'll get some We're pro have on. To learn, but you would see the weird things, and you could see, you know, uh, the world's strongest man. Which I love. I, I love, love the, the old world's world strongest man. It started out wide world of sports, and now ESPN, does it still have it? Oh, God, I've never seen I haven't seen but it But they would years. have, like... Ken Patera, who is legitly an uh, Olympic weightlifter yeah, and a Ken pro Patera. wrestler, he finished third, and all he would say, Bruce Willem, pulled him across the line. Yeah. The man is fat. Uh, and that was when John Kolb, offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, was competing, and he beat. He was the reason that Bruce Wilhelm won the, the gold, because he beat the giant Swede in the tug of war. But those were fun. I still like to watch oh, them. Oh, yeah, whenever they play. Every now and then ESPN will play them. Like but the they ESPN would have the Globetrotters. They used to have. That's where I first saw Minnesota Fats and Willie Moscone yeah, playing you would, pool. you would see pool. And the thing about Minnesota Fats was he was, as we say in wrestling, KFAB. Yeah. He was just a hustler. And he got, rumor has it he went around as New York Fats for a while. But what happened with him, his name was Rudolph Wanderoni. He saw the movie The Hustler. With Paul Newman, where there's yeah. a character, Jack Gleason's Minnesota Fats. Yeah, Minnesota Then he Fats. started going around claiming that he was the guy. Yeah, that but he, he was really the inspiration wasn't. for it. And if you read about him, he was like a lovable sort of ne'er-do-well. Yeah. But Moscone was legit. And like when Moscone played him, he killed him. Oh. You could see Moscone in George Soga's Bad to the Bone video. You know what else you would see on ESPN? Uh, bowling. Oh, I used to not watch just, every just, Saturday afternoon. I used to watch pro bowling. And not uh, just pro bowling, but every now and then you would get the trick shot competitions, like yep. the bowling trick shot competition. The pool, ones. The pool trick shot Steve competition. Steve Miserac. Yeah, oh, those were fun. But then ESPN's gone now to Now it's what, just like, Sports Center, and oh, we're going to cover basketball, we're going to play Sports Center for nine hours with these quote unquote experts. What was it, Stephen A. Smith talking about three guys that aren't even in the NFL anymore? Like they, they're. It's sad. I think it's a lot of they're just really wannabes or something. It's no fun. Yeah. Now I just need we need ESPN eight the Ocho. But speaking of ESPN, we're on the ta- we're after bowl season. Actually, the national championship will be played tonight. As so one is. of my grouses. Can I rant for a second? Yeah, go just ahead. Just rant. Back in the day, and I'm feeling old. I'm saying back in the day more. 
Well, this would be a big thing, and number one, it would be horrible because there was always that yin and yang of New Year's. You would have to go back to school, but you would look forward to the bowls because you would have well, teams that were, if you lost really one good game, you, you lost one, one game, you might not be in there. Yeah. But you had basically orange, cotton. Yeah, was, what was it? It was the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Well, that's bowl. the granddaddy of Well, yeah, all. the Cotton Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Those were the four. And then you had, I guess, Blue Bonnet, then the Liberty yeah. Bowl came along, yeah. Gator Bowl. Because you know bowl. Gator Bowl is the whole story. That's how they came up with Gatorade. I thought it was because it came up at the University of Florida. It was actually Gator. It was, might oh, be the Gator okay. Bowl because it was Florida where they made this stuff. Yeah. But anyways, now we have... No, I look, 40 bowl games. But we have some of the names of these things. Yeah. The Gasparilla Bowl. The uh, But you have one well, that you have I to just talk watched, about. It's just one like, of the, like, the worst like games I you've say, ever seen. Like I say, the as the national championship is being played tonight or yesterday, if no, you're listening week. to this... No, this week or tonight. Yeah. I don't even know. Are they play anymore. I know it's seventh. No, but it's the seventh. But I've seen it on no, the fourteenth before. No, it's, seven, it's the seventh this year. But in any event, um, see, I'm screwed up now because cu- everything was on New yeah. Year's before. A couple weeks ago was one of the ugliest games I think anybody had ever seen. It's probably still being talked about. It was the 2018 Cheez It Bowl. I would love to. The California- into that for a second. There was a player for the Ohio Bobcats one year who said. For, they went to go to the Idaho, Idaho Fairs. Oh, yeah, he said he didn't want to go. And they kicked him off the but team. But anyways. <laughs> I remember that he was a punter, and they kicked him off the team because he was an idiot. I wouldn't want not to be in the Idaho yeah. Famous Potato but Bowl. But the 2018 Cheez-It Bowl, it's not the fact that it was named the Cheez-It Bowl, though the trophy was literally filled with Cheez-Its, which was really funny. Yeah, I would have played for that. Yeah, because they're, okay, they're shaking that one, I admit, I would have played for it. It was the, the TCU Horned Frogs, a lo- um, alma mater of the Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson. Against the California Golden Bears, alma mater of... Aaron Rodgers, Joe Cap. Oh, Joe Cap. Okay, we'll go with him. Jared Goff. <clears throat> um, it was the ugliest game. I'm talking, you are in a bowl game. Each team starts a quarterback because they were seniors that had never played in a game in their four-year college career. Nine interceptions were thrown between the two teams. The California quarterback had 20, I think, 27 passing yards. The over-under of the game was 38 points, and there was no danger of them even approaching the over. The game ended 10-7 to in overtime. And at the end of the game, I think it was TCU, had because TCU ended up winning the game, had the chance to win the game with a field goal. They called a timeout and brought in another kicker. Just a new kicker, and the kid missed it. So they go to overtime. What happens in overtime? Another goddamn interception. And then then apparently there was a new long snapper, and then they brought in another kicker, and this kid finally made it's it. As opposed it. to that crazy game a few weeks ago where they had like the seven overtimes, the two teams. Yeah. But we I'm can... literally sitting there praying to every god I've ever heard of from every religion, like, please let this continue. Literally, the way it's going, it. we could have the Rando Bowl. What are we going to give them? Uh, we'll go down to the dollars, or we'll go down to Goodwill, see what we can find. But one of the things, bringing up the worst game we've ever seen, I oh have it. I have the pro one. All right. I have the pro one. Okay. As you remember, 1987, they had a strike. Yeah, actually, and real had... quick, my gym teacher in middle school, he was he played for the Eagles for one game before, unfortunately, blowing out his uh, knees. Still, he played. He's, he he's was in, in the NFL. They, these he's... games count. These is, games. If you look at the, the database, the NFL database, he's acknowledged as playing in the NFL. But they had replacement players. Yeah. Buddy Ryan actually won the 
his team over the Eagles because he he got playbooks out of Kmart. But one of the worst wasn't that the year that Mark Mosley, the kicker for the Redskins, was the MVP. I think that was early. Was it the '82 strike season? Okay. But one of the things I saw, it was one of the worst games, the worst game I ever saw. It was a replacement game, the Bills and the Giants at Ridge Stadium. It was a study in, I don't even want to know. It was horrible. The XFL looked pro compared to it. That's rough. It was torturous how bad it was. It ended 6-3. to Mm. And I remember at the end, I think, the Bills won 6-3. to I remember Bill Parcells' look on his face. The kicker missed like a 30-yard field goal to tie it. He just looked like death incarnate, mm. and it was utterly hapless. And I think that was the catalyst because I heard the Minnesota Vikings said they lost all three replacement games. They were going to go back, mm. and I think that was the catalyst where they finally said we're killing the league. Yeah, I God, I don't think I could pick the worst game. Well, I that was just it was well, a because, stunning futility. Because here's the era of the Steelers I grew up in, mind you. By the time I really started watching football. And we haven't talked football yet, so we're that's what we're going to do now. The Hall of Fame contingents, the, the Terry Bradshaw, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Joe Green, they had all retired. And I saw them when they were not at their best. I saw yeah. a snow game this strike year. Terry said he forgot his long underwear. And actually, I have, I have on an account by Donnie Shell who said he hated playing in Buffalo because it was freezing. And I told him, yeah, like tropical Pittsburgh, of course, Donnie, but I'm not going to argue but with that man. We, um, So I grew up in the era, I think... I may remember Mark Malone at quarterback, but I definitely remember Bubby Brister. Ah, the Bubster. So Bubby Brister throwing to Lewis Lips, who, if he was on any other team, would be a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. I, I firmly believe remember that. Big Bird, Eric Green. Big Eric Green, and then so that was the era of the Steelers I grew up in. So, but you know of them, and the <coughs> thing is, again, we go back to announcers. One of this guy is unbelievable. Google him sometime because I can't do him justice. Uh, Myron Cope. Oh, Myron Cope. That, and, then, and this is how ingrained it was. Sunday On Sundays, we would come in, turn on the TV, find the Steeler game, mute the sound on the television, go to the radio. And this is what the, the actual turning thing where you had to find it with the, the, the needle. And we would listen. Uh, God, what radio station was it back then? I think it was 94.5. And it was... It was WWSW, 3WS. And we would find the radio broadcast because it was Bill Hillgrove, who still does Steelers broadcast and I think actually does University of Pittsburgh. Myron Cope, may he rest in peace, a legend in his spare time. Also a great sports writer. And Tunch Ilkin. He invented the terrible towel. He, he, did, he, was, the in, no, he was the inventor of the terrible towel. And he is, I can't describe this guy. I played a clip uh, one time. Ingest some helium, talk Na- very very nasally with a heavy Pittsburgh and they would accent. Get him, they would they get him wound up. up, and he would just go on these weird tangents about remember, nothing. Remember, it was uh, we were listening to it, and it was he always would make a reference to Najinsky whenever somebody did something athletic. Like he looked like Najinsky out there because he was the ballet dancer. And uh, Tunch Okin, who was a former Steelers offensive lineman from Turkey and now a broadcaster. He would poke it, poke at the Myron Bear. He said, well, why don't you just say Barishnikov? And Cope would go, don't cross me, Ilkin. 
and this is normal. They would just let him talk. You know, five or six plays could go on, and then, then nobody cared. One of the first things, this is something you missed. They used to actually have, I remember one of my first memories of football was the college All-Star game. What they would do oh, see, I never is they saw would those. have the All-Stars of college play the Super Bowl champion. Yeah. And I remember them playing the Dolphins. Mm. And I think the, the pro teams would end up, Maybe played the first guys a little. And yeah, they were playing for but a couple I, I actually researched this. They beat them the one year. They beat a Bears team with Hallis because I think Hallis did not. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember there was at least one or two occasions when the college All-Stars did defeat the Pro. And I when honestly, did they stop doing I that? I honestly don't know. But I remember it was the Dolphins playing college All-Stars. Yeah. That was the first one I ever saw. And I never saw that because I think by the time I was watching football, it was gone. Yeah, we just had the football games. One of my earliest memories was still going to get a Christmas tree and watching the Steelers and Colts for some reason. And we had the Steelers dynasty, of course, and the Cowboys. Well, because you look at the football dynasties, and let's dis- – not talking about the AFL for right now. That'll be another podcast, Defunct Sports Leagues. I just thought of that. Oh, I was going to say about the USFL, yeah, too. Yeah, write that down. we got a couple Defunct Sports Leagues I want to talk about, but – you had the dynasties. Let's go back to see which ones you remember. Well, yeah. with Joan Collins and all those people. Or, no, then they had the, yeah. what were the well, other the, ones with like Charlton Heston? The Bears in the 50s, or yeah. 40s and 50s. I'd say the Giants yeah. slash Colts in the 50s. The 60s. Was That's for my dad. The Lions actually had a team in the 50s with yeah. Bobby Lane that were good. Yeah, the 60s had to belong to the Packers. Yes. There's no question about it. Vince Lombardi's Packers were some of the greatest teams ever. Oh, and by the way, fans around here... Had it been a year earlier at Super Bowl, the Packers would have killed the Bills. Yeah. Um, 70s were the Steelers. Oh, yes. Four Super Bowls. First team to win three, first team to win four. Yep. Back-to-back twice. Um, but if Dallas was America's team. Yeah, Dallas was America's <laughs> team, and Roger Staubach got the— I mean, nothing but respect for Roger Staubach, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, but he couldn't compete with those guys. No, and to show you how different the game was then, last year of Staubach's career, they estimated he had six or seven concussions, mm. didn't miss a game. Nope. Didn't know where he was, but he didn't miss a game. That's how it was. Shake it off. Yeah. Who would you give the 80s to? I would say the 49ers. That's I would say 49ers overall. You could you could make a case for Washington. You, you could, but I think the 49ers won three or four. Uh, nine, you count 90 as that decade yeah, in the first year. Yeah, because it, it would 1990 was the end of the 89 end of the season, 80s. but it was the end of the 89 I would season. say 49ers probably because he had the Giants interspersed in there. Yeah. Yeah, the the Bears in '85. But they and the Bears, it was always considered a disappointment with that team that they didn't win more. Yeah, because I guess really, I actually read a book on Mike Ditka, and they really, it's like with the '86 Mets, Mm -hmm. they just they dismantled the team almost right after that. McMahon got hurt. Oh, McMahon. Because everybody remembers the Super Bowl shuffle and the fridge and the fridge. And mind you, did you ever see the Grabowski shuffle? I guess that was the video with Ditka dancing around. Yes, yes. Never saw it. And Mike Ditka, Western Pennsylvania native from Aliquippa. Who basically was saved from working in the steel mines, I guess. Yeah, Great at... player, too. You never realize. A lot oh, of people good, don't realize. He was. he was the first modern tight end. Yeah, and first, I guess he was and, a psycho as a coach, too, for Dallas. He coached, tried to trip guys on the sidelines and, and the, stuff. The first uh, tight end in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. First pure tight end in the Hall of Fame because they had the flankers or whatever they called them back then. But 90s. Would... I'm going to go with the Cowboys. The yeah, Emmett that's Smith, a little... Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman era? I would say yes, because I'm trying to think. Is the 49ers won one? Packers won one? Broncos won two? Yeah, but really... Redskins won one. But really, the Cowboys were so consistent in the 90s. The thing is, they rue Jimmy Johnson, yeah, because they I said that if he didn't quit, 
they probably would have won again. But the only and then of course they got handed to one Super Bowl by Neil O'Donnell in my view. Oh, you know, and that was the first time. This was 1995 Super Bowl 30. It was the Steelers and the Cowboys from the Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. I remember because it was the first time in my lifetime I'd seen the Steelers go Wasn't to the Super Bowl. Wasn't it the Blast Furnace defense? Kevin Green? Um, No, it was Greg the... Lloyd. What the hell do they call it? No, the Steel Trap. Oh, because it was the Blast Furnace. Was that them? I, don't or think I thought it was them. I thought they had one called the Blast it Furnace. It may have been later. Or it may have been earlier, but this it was Kevin Green... Greg Lloyd, LeVon Kirkland, and Chad Brown, they called him the And I think Rod Woodson was hurt for that year, and he just stepped on the field. Yeah, he it. stepped on the field briefly. Because then, ironically, Lloyd got hurt, and then he played. Yeah, but and the, those two interceptions to Larry Brown of the Dallas Cowboys, who went on to do not much else. The story was that Larry Brown was not a very good player, and he signed this big free agent contract with Oakland. They were all laughing because they said, the Cowboys said that, he was out of position anyways, but yeah. who was Neil O'Donnell even throwing to? That was my question. But although, random fact, uh-huh. Neil O'Donnell, one of the strongest quarterbacks to ever come down the pipe. I think he had college, he had a 400... Played for Maryland, I know that. Yeah, 475-pound bench press or something. And I'm not, it's not sour grapes either. No. But, the, but No, but the one with the Packers, the Steelers lost that game. The I, I, was, I was at that game down at Jerry World in Dallas. Or Which Arlington, like, technically. How is that? Is it like a city? Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing. But it was beautiful to behold. Trust me. The food was, well, we found barbecue. But in any event. It's Texas. Jeez, yeah. I'd go back, but it's in Texas. Sorry, Texas. Not sorry. But I watched that game, and even the Packers fans, as we were leaving, they didn't. They weren't hooping and hollering. Even a few Packers fans actually said to me, it's like, you guys lost that game. We didn't win that game. Yeah. However, I was in Detroit for Super Bowl Forty. The bus but is you last... fooled George the Animal Steel about right. this one. Sorry, George. But that was the one. I did not see any of the Steelers' touchdowns. I'm there. I'm in the stands. I I had to go to the bathroom. So I left the stand. As soon as I turned the corner, had my back to the field, the Steelers scored their first touchdown. It's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Next one. I'm hungry. I'm going to go get something to eat. As soon as I turn around, boom! That was my curse of the. That was my curse of the Penguins for years. I would go to the bathroom and they would score a goal. But would you have to say Patriots? Well, and and then the third touchdown, they threw me. They told me to leave, and as soon as I left, they scored the third touchdown. But in the two thousands, wouldn't help you if you were a Bills fan. No, in two thousands, yes, Patriots. Love them, hate them. Love them, hate them. They have. Although their dynasty is coming to an end with a forty still, with a forty one year old quarterback, a useless a useless offensive quote unquote weapon a and tight end whose energy drink effort's horrible. And, and their deep threat who just got an indefinite who got an indefinite ban for his fifth drug f- infraction. And the amazing part is Bill Belichick was supposed to coach the Jets. He decided he didn't yeah, want to. He, he was, was coaching the Jets for a day. A couple of years. Or two years he was he there. He coached under Parcells. The idea was he was going to take over, yeah. and he just decided he didn't like the situation. And uh, weirdly, I remember him in the 90s when he was coaching the Cleveland oh, Browns yeah. before they before Art Modell up and sold him to yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, and the other one was he would have been the coach of the Giants after the Super Bowl, but Parcells left so late he already took the Browns job. Yeah. And one of the things I remember, and this maybe we'll talk about how generations change sometime, Yeah. but I remember... In the day, I used to love all the old sports board games before computer games. They were fun. Stratomatic, APBA, they had Play Dirt. Yes, they still exist if you look around. God, I don't even remember. But they were loads of fun. I actually had 
the NHL when I played the whole Penguin season. Oh, my. And now computer games, obviously, which to me are more or less like video games. I mean, they're yeah, fun. it's but, the same thing. You know, what are you going to do? Well, actually, you know how we were grousing about the lack of coffee on Christmas? What well, do we have to do this year? Yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll do an we'll, advent calendar. Yeah. Well, don't forget, today is Orthodox Christmas. And is there a greeting for that? Merry Christmas? I don't, I actually don't know. That's a fair question. I don't know either. I actually, I have to, quick story. One year I had two Christmases because I was in the old Soviet Union. And like you with the Steelers, I put the Soviet Union out of business by yeah. going to the bathroom there. And it, I was neat. We had I had two Christmases that year. And it was nice seeing all the parents taking their children out on the buffos in Baltic. Yeah. But it was an interesting but, sight and... I had two Christmases, but I think do we have? Yeah, we actually have Christmas presents from our sponsor because here's the tag. I'm gonna read it. Oh Jesus! Two Carnival of Randomness open on Mike Upsitnik and Associates. Yes, our sponsor Upsitnik and Associates Law Offices. Find them on Facebook, Upsitnik and Associates, and at their websites UpsitniksLaw.com. Sent us Christmas gifts. I don't know what the hell it is. He said to. Open them up on air. So, Rob, here's okay, your box. Okay, this may be the my final. Box. Yeah, oh, and if, by the way, this is the last time you're... something else yeah. in here, too. This may be the final one. Watch out for... Hey, you got a reindeer. Yeah, I got a reindeer. You got... Yeah, what the hell is this? Yours? You got a shirt. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on, read it. It's, okay, I'm trying to visualize. It's very colorful, and it has... It has a bunch of planets. It says, back in my day, we had nine planets. That's funny. There's little Pluto. Okay. Santa's really neat looking. And then this I, is hilarious. I have a green shirt with a stick figure riding a dinosaur silhouette. If history repeats itself, I'm getting a dinosaur. Well. Yes. Well, we may not have coffee, but we have some belly laughs. Yeah. Was it Neil deGrasse Tyson who killed Pluto? Yeah, technically. No. And then here's another one. This one's actually kind of heavy. That one's right, This is like a Mickey Mouse. You got Mickey Mouse paper. I got classic Norman Rockwell Santa. So it's a box. It's from Uncommon Goods. It's a box. It's a tumbler. I got or a rocks glass, I should say. At least I got one. Yeah. You must have got him two. Yep. Oh, must have had the two for sale. It's got a cake writing on what it. Is it? The George Washington Founding Fathers Rocks Glass on Uncommon Goods. I'm not. We're not sponsored by Uncommon Goods. I just like them. Oh, it's them. got some sayings here on it. I can't really read right here, it. I'm opening up. Let's see. You got. Uh, here's the big one. Let's read that. Yeah, read yours. Honesty. I don't break honesty it. is always the best policy. Well. Well. That's ironic. That's ironic these days. Well. And then. Well, that, in that note, in all honesty, we got our Christmas presents. Well, Thank you to our sponsor. This? Go visit them. They'll help you with your. Legal needs. And maybe give you a present. And maybe get a present. Your present could be a, a uh, resolution to your legal issue. So, happy 2019. It's our second episode. We're still here. They haven't found us yet. So, from all of us at the Carnival of Randomness, I'm Zach. I'm Rob. I think you're up at bat. I think I'm up at bat. And, uh, you know, Jesus saves. Lemieux scores on the rebound. And no Viking kicker can make a field goal. Nope. So, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.